You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown, a podcast about love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak, and our guest today has an incredible story. Hi, my name is Dr. Frida. I'm a media specialist. I'm the mother of twins at the age of 60. Dr. Frida is now in her 70s and still a vibrant mother of teenagers and very active in her career. She's a media specialist who uses her psychology background to contribute commentary on high-profile stories. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard case that has been in the media. I'm sure you've seen it. How could you miss it? And we're going to get into that further in a future episode because the TikTok and Twitter hot takes were truly wild. And I really want to unpack the misogyny and internalized misogyny behind all of that. But today, Dr. Frida is going to give us a primer on toxic relationships, how to avoid them, and how to rewire abusive patterns that might be lurking around from your upbringing. But first, we're going to talk about her outlier experience of having twins at age 60. Oh my God. I am so excited to talk to you. I, I was excited to talk to you about what we'll get into as our second topic. But then I found out that you had twins at 60 and I was like, whoa, I need the whole story. Yes. What's wrong with this woman? But go ahead. (laughs) For sure. Well, I mean, so I guess, were they your first? Were you in a relationship? Had you put it off for career? None of the above. How did it happen? None of the above. None of the above. You know, people think uh, I married a younger man or... Who knows what? But the truth is, and the real story is, is that my husband, who nobody asks about, is the one who wanted it. So I had nothing to do with it. But I did have a son at the age of 53. And he was so happy about it. Uh, He wanted siblings for my son. And we could just keep going on forever. But we stopped, (laughs) of course. And I'll tell you, it's a gift. It's a gift. And what's interesting for your generation is for you to know that life is long enough today uh, that you can go ahead and do these things. As we're living longer, younger, uh, here I am uh, at this point in my life. I'm in the media. I'm doing everything. I'm enjoying everything I wanted to always do. I'm finally doing it. So it's like I'm starting at a, a, when I'm supposed to be doing something else, I guess ending. I don't know. But I'm still the same person, the same energy, no problems. Everything is good. Uh, But the biggest message, uh, and you saw one of them, they're just wonderful kids. Yeah. Is that women shouldn't fear getting older Mm -hmm. because they live their lives. Oh, I'm 30. Oh, I'm 40. Oh, I'm 50. But so what? I found that when I turned 60, life didn't only begin for the twins. They began for me because basically... There's something energizing about having done everything, gone through everything, and now you can focus on your own self, your own needs. I find that when you're older, it's really easier. So I had two sets. And when I had my older children, it was very confusing for women 
children or career, relationship or career. Oh, so I have five children altogether. Okay, so how long? How young are the oldest? So this gets crazier as we talk. <laughs> so <laughs> after we're finished, you're gonna go tell him you won't believe this lady I just spoke to. <laughs> oh my God, what's wrong? So what what happens is so I wanted a career. I wanted to be in the media, and I had absolutely opportunities.、Uh, but at that time, I wanted to please people around me. The media is. Not something to obtain to. So at that time, women who were career oriented did not have children. So when I had the kids then, and I had a, was going to school, you know, how can you leave your kids alone? And was I a bad mother? But what about my life? And I noticed in my practice after I did open a practice that women in their mid thirties came to me, and they felt really lost. And they said, "Is this it? Is this all?" Where do I go? I have my kids. What about me? So you know, you learn from your patients, and I saw that I need to have something that won't leave me empty,、uh, because the kids are.、Uh, and I'm sure you're too young to have children, but eventually. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> I'm too old. I'm like 38. Oh wow, you're ancient. <laughs> I know,、it's, right? But you know, it's interesting because today, 38. Women are having kids in their forties now,、mm-hmm. so it's something that's not、uh, unusual. And women have waited because they didn't want to be bogged down. And when you're older, you don't settle. If you met somebody or you meet somebody, they're ready in a place. You're ready in your place. You absolutely have more time and more money.、Uh, when I had my first son, I was so nervous. They put him on my in my arms. And they said you can go home now. And I said, "You mean you trust me to take this home with me?" <laughs> How old are you then? I didn't realize it was mine. <laughs> so the first child I had, I was twenty-six. Okay, and that was like pretty standard, right? At that time, matter of fact, it was already. I was putting my husband through law school, and people were saying, "Well, what are you waiting for?"、Uh-huh. I got married when I was twenty-two, and four years later, I waited for him to finish, not to interfere with his、uh, career. So basically. That was a choice that women make, and as far as I'm concerned, I never felt there was anybody out there. If they were out there, then they either had the career or the kids. So people used to call me greedy, selfish, but they still do the same thing now. So I've always had that stigma, but I'm so happy、uh, that I got it in because the worst thing in life is I could have, I should have. You know, you got it in, you did what you wanted.、Uh-huh. I wasn't going to tell anybody my age. And then I got off the elevator, and the head obstetrician said, "If you tell your age, you can help women around the world to inspire them to have a life after sixty to know it's not over, not to have necessarily babies, but careers." Was your gynecologist? Were there concerns? Did you do IVF? Like how? I did IVF. I did、uh-huh. in vitro. It was very smooth.、Uh, there wasn't any kind of, you know. Problem, and my pregnancy was very uneventful. I was elated. I was overjoyed. I I ha- had no negative feelings afterwards at all. And these children are so independent,、uh, and they're so、um, contented,、uh, and things come so easy for them.、Uh, it's a different generation now with the social media. The connecting to around the world for them, where my older generation they didn't have that kind of connection, 
And parents uh, do, do worry. I do have to say uh, their kids are too much into the computers. But guess what? If you see them for dinner time or whatever, they'll have information that my older <laughs> kids never had. You know? How do you know that? So they're really learning up there. They're not just slouching and, and uh, gaming all the time. And games also teach you to be competitive, think quickly. I wish it wasn't so violent, and that's the negative part. But having children older, later, is no longer what it used to be. And it's a good thing because you are not feeling that you're missing out. You did your thing already. Do you feel like that makes you a better parent? It makes you a better parent because I wrote a whole dissertation on that. So I really feel that if you're prone to have a career, uh, then that is the way to go first. And then you can enjoy the process of being with your children and have the time. So I'm, I'm really blessed. I thought I'd be too old. My husband said, don't tell anybody, but everybody found out. And who cares? <laughs> I mean, is it energizing for you? I'm, you? I'm looking at you and it's hard to believe you're 60, let alone <laughs> old well, enough to have a 15-year-old. I can't believe it. Life goes fast. You have to get it in. I'm telling you. It's long enough to get everything you want, but you have to take advantage of the time that you really have. Like my husband used to say, oh, you can't tell the difference between a 30 and a six-year-old. And I said, sure. Are you kidding me? <sighs> but you know what? I'm not a different person than I was before. Uh-huh. I still am ambitious. I'm still energetic. I still do all the things. Who you really are doesn't really change all that much. It really doesn't. Uh So, you know, just enjoy the process, but definitely don't live in fear of what's to come because there's really nothing negative to come anymore. Uh, Women are independent. They uh, can make money if they want to. They could have relationships when they want to. Uh, So it's a healthier time to have these kind of options. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was going to ask you about, because there's a whole child-free movement now. We interviewed somebody who is a kind of a leader among that group. And I'm just curious, and especially I'm asking this as a 38-year-old woman. You you look (laughs) like you're 28, please. (laughs) But, you know, you seem like a total career woman. And also you've had five kids. And that seems like it's been important to you as well. and. What is your take on motherhood, having been there? If you're not passionate about it, would you pass? Oh, if you're not passionate about it, you know, I think we should grab life. And guess what happens? When you have a child, you forget whether you're passionate or not. <laughs> that was in the past. <laughs> when you have a child, it's a lot of work. But that burst of being into what you're doing is like nothing else. Like okay. nothing else. It's an experience. And I'm the person you're asking that I want 
everyone to have all these experiences. So it's a wonderful experience. You can do it in such a way. I went to school when my children went to school. I was accepted to Columbia University. I went and I dropped out because my children needed me. So I did go back and forth. Mm-hmm. It wasn't always so smooth. But it is something. If you're on the fence about it, then do it. Because it seems very overwhelming. When I had my first child again, because that's when I was the most anxious, that's why first children are always so uptight, because the parents are uptight. <laughs> but in serious, always. But it's uh, intuitive. Uh. You get a feeling. There used to be a book, a Dr. Spotnitz out, who said, let the child cry. I couldn't do it. Now I'm finding it's not the thing to do. So it's, you do have to go by what you feel is right. And you can look into a child's face. You can see the way a child is reacting. But it's a lot of fun. It, it's experience. It's reliving your childhood in many ways mm-hmm. that you wouldn't have otherwise. Meeting people that you wouldn't have otherwise met. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot. It's a whole social networking bonding arena with your husband. Besides the parents being crazy about paying off these colleges, they're going off the wall here. Okay. So, well, I'm leaning towards no, but I could see a universe in which I did it later, kind of like you did your second go around. What's wrong with that? That's wonderful because you know you're prepared. Yeah. You won't have any regrets. I mean, I'm very career driven. I haven't crossed nearly enough things off my list. I know at this point I couldn't juggle both, but I could, you know, maybe if the world is not on fire, I could (laughs) have a child later on. (laughs) I promise you the world will not be on fire. So no excuses. And... The fact is, a child is born, they sleep most of the time. So you grow with them. You grow to learn what it is they need. And uh. then they start crawling, and, you, you know, you, and then after a while, they go to school. Uh, and so they're in school till three or four. They don't take all your time. You have all this time to have your career, to do whatever it is that you want to do. It's any time they come home, if you or your spouse or your partner or whatever is there, then uh, you share responsibilities. It's a different world today. Men are more nurturing. Mm-hmm, they love true. it. Uh, women are more responsible with careers, and they love it. So each is filling out another part of themselves. So because of that, it's not like the housewives of the 50s where the women stayed home, did everything, double standards. No way. We're mm-hmm. way past all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So without a doubt... You've done the right thing. You've established an image, a persona of who you are. And now, when you've done that, you can have a partner in your life that's nurturing. And you take turns supporting each other's needs, career, children, whatever. So this is still a decision in progress for me. And honestly, I'm leaning more toward no. But I really liked hearing Dr. Frida's perspective. Okay, so the other thing I want to talk to you about is, you know, the the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial has been in the media like crazy. Yes. And I think we saw a lot of misogyny and internalized misogyny come out. Anyway, the whole thing was ugly, and I want to do a whole nother episode about that. So I kind of want to focus on toxic relationships, but before we get into that, you're a media expert. 
did you have any takeaways from seeing that play out in public? It was obvious from the beginning. It's so simple. Look at their backgrounds. He came from an abusive mother whose father didn't speak up and finally left. She came from relationships where she was the abuser. And there you go. We do relive our parents, whether we like it or not, at an unconscious level. We'll often pick our parents as a mate in our lives because it's a familiar situation. Even if it's dysfunctional, it's comfortable for us. So right from the beginning, this was set up not to work. So that's what toxic is. Uh, being involved with people that are familiar but are not good for you. Another toxic example is when you are with somebody who's jealous of you, who controls you, who micromanages you, and you say, oh, he's really into me. He really cares about me. Wow. No, this guy or a woman, both roles, feels inferior and wants to put you down a few notches so they can feel better about themselves. So you have to be very careful about what a healthy relationship is. A healthy relationship is when each person takes turns supporting each other, but also find out about their background. You know, don't get intimate right away because that mars everything. You don't know what you're doing. You're in love. The first three years is the romantic stage. Everything's wonderful. Then all of a sudden they leave each other. It's over. People don't stay long. And then a push of the button on the internet, they can get somebody else, which is not good. It's way too easy. So, okay, you know, we're talking about toxic relationships. And in their case, I mean, it was abusive. So is there a difference between toxic and abusive? And you mentioned a few, but what are the other red flags you should look for? Well, we're talking about emotionally abusive, physically abusive. There's abuse when you don't feel that you, you lost who you are in this relationship. That's abuse. It could be very subtle. Uh, you don't feel the uh, thrust for life all of a sudden, there's a reason for it. And if you can connect that and see what just happened, you could either prevent it if the other partner has to be willing to work on it. If they're not, your self-esteem will be enhanced if you work on yourself, but the two of you won't end up together. So that's abusive. It could be very subtle. Somebody who is not respecting you, somebody at night who leaves the lights on when you want them off or the air conditioning colder or warmer or whatever that is. It sounds like it's not a big deal, but you're not being taken care of. And after a while, you don't even realize it's happening anymore. You just don't feel great anymore. That's abuse. Mm -hmm. I was in a relationship in college where he was living with me. I was paying for everything. I asked him not to smoke in this room and he did. And for complaining, he sprayed me with Febreze. That's what? when I knew it had to be over. Oh, my God. I mean, the relationship played out more after, but I wound up getting a civil ex parte. And he had pushed me before and, you know, there was some physical stuff too. But even though it seems like nothing, spraying someone with Febreze is like not the end of the world. It didn't hurt me, you know, in some extreme way. But to me, it was like such a boundary cross of like a punishment in the relationship that that was like huge. I was but like, it's oh, interesting. You had to wait to be basically hit over the head almost in order yes. to leave. 
And it, that was not subtle at all. Febreze, you know, you, it could blind you. Things could happen to you. So yeah, he fit the pattern of what I'm talking about, wanting to keep you uh, in a certain place. And yet you were the one that was helping him and, and, and making uh, an income or, my, or you had money or whatever it was. So you have to look for subtleties. So another aspect of that relationship that I think is relevant here and we could use as an example is that it took me, you know, you, you just called it out. I, I should have left before. And actually I had been in the process of leaving him, you know, like I followed him to college. I realized that was a terrible idea. I went down to another college in another state. He followed me. But that was like part of these stages of me leaving. But it was a long, drawn-out process. And I think when you're in a toxic relationship or an abusive relationship, it can be like that. So how do you, you know, you said wait to get involved. That's like how you can avoid it. But how do you leave or extricate yourself once you're already in one of these relationships? That's very difficult. You know, you waited way too long. And uh, he had a good thing going. No wonder he followed you. You know, yeah. you, you're <laughs> He was like, who's paying the bills? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> no wonder he followed you. But uh, how do you leave a toxic relationship? Well, first of all, you have to have a plan. Because mm -hmm. if you don't, you're never going to leave. I had a patient who said... How can I leave? I don't have any furniture. I said, are you kidding me? That's why you're staying? So it was uh, something stupid like that. But uh, you have to uh, have a plan, which is short-term plan. Uh, you go ahead, find somebody to stay with for a little while or find your own place to stay. You don't have to be permanently invested in where you're going because your mind is not clear right now. You're going through trauma. But once that trauma... Uh, subsides, then you can give yourself time for a longer term plan. Where are you going to stay? What about your career? Look into what kind of relationship that's not toxic. So slowly, not overnight, when you have that kind of plan, you'll follow that plan and you'll be in a much better place. You brought up people's upbringing, but you can't change that about yourself. So how can you rewire I guess, and, you know, go from someone who was in a bad childhood situation to having healthy relationships as an adult? Well, that's a very important question. And first, you have to be healthy, emotionally healthy, to find the right person. Because if you're not, uh, if you don't have the right path for yourself, if you don't have the right self-esteem, uh, if you think you don't deserve better, well, you're not going to get better. So you have to be able to put yourself in the right place first. The opposite of what women are told, who you meet, that's who you'll be. Absolutely not. So you have to have your own independent image first. And then the question was how to avoid uh, being in a toxic relationship. Find out who the friends are. Find out what the friends say about this person. The family, is the family functioning? Does he like his parents? Or she likes her parents. All that stuff is going to give you information about who you're with, which is much more important, I hate to say this, than the attraction itself. Because if you have all these ingredients first, you know what happens? The attraction follows, and that stays 
much longer than the other way around because you have substance in the relationship. Having French, true friendships is really a prerequisite. My boys now that turned 15, they have friends, girls, boys, and they're socializing. And how they're comfortable treating, they're going to go out and feel comfortable with that pattern. So you have to develop a group of people in your life that give you the feeling of being important, support what it is that you want. Relationships you can't always support at the same time or you take turns. But that kind of healthy prerequisite with platonic relationships uh, is extremely important uh, before you get involved with someone, before you have a partner in your life. We were talking about this uh, in the beginning. If you find your own self first and you're in a good place, you find somebody who supports that, not takes it away from you. Uh, because you develop a pattern and that pattern pretty much stays. So don't try to change don't try to promote that person. You're not a social worker. Uh, don't try to make that person happy if they're not happy. Any of those things. But I've always felt that we should have, and I always thought about a show for this, emotional prenup. Not about mm. money. It seems so crass. It's like, oh, we're going into this, but be careful just in case we get a divorce. If I thought this way, I would have been divorced a long time ago. Because <laughs> you can't think of that. My, uh, my take on marriage is you got to stay, you got to work on it, because if you don't, you get somebody else's problems. Which, by the way, there's more higher divorce the second time around than the first time. Because yeah. you see, wait a bit, maybe I could have worked that out. You have made it work with your husband, right, for decades. So what's the secret to having a healthy relationship that lasts? I think patience. When you want to kill the other person... Or say, why am I with him? I'm leaving. <laughs> Guess, what? Guess what? Put everything down. Don't throw anything. And wait it out because eventually something happens. They say, hey, wait a minute. Maybe I am better off uh, with that person. And maybe uh, I'm going to regret it. I had a patient whose husband wrote out a plan. If you want to leave me, this is what's going to happen. Well, the thought of actually physically leave, she threatened him all the time. It's a, wait a minute. You mean you're going to be with somebody else? Uh-huh. And you're going to have a good life with somebody else and replace me? I'm supposed to be the most important person. So that, right away, changed things. So leaving somebody uh, in your mind is okay. But what happens eventually when you go through trials in life, it's not easy the person that's closest to you is the one that really gets the negativity that you go through from the day-to-day -day, uh, events. So you heard it from Dr. Frida Privates. Patience is the key to a long, happy relationship. And it is so true. Our partners can get the worst of us sometimes because we tend to unload at home. And hearing her say that is a really good reminder that bearing the brunt of that negative energy over and over and over again is so not fair to them. I love the idea of an emotional prenup. Thanks again to Dr. Frida for such a fascinating conversation. Ugh, she is such a character and it was so fun to chat with her. And I think she offered up a really interesting perspective on both toxic relationships and motherhood. Truly out of the box motherhood. 
Like I said, I want to explore the misogyny and internalized misogyny of the Depp Heard trial more. And actually, if you're an expert on the subject or you have really strong opinions on the TikTok hate or the Twitter vilification of Amber Heard, I would love to hear from you. So if that's you, please shoot me an email at privatepartsunknown.com or even if you just want to share an article with me, would love to hear from you. And of course, make sure to follow the show at Private Parts Unknown on Instagram and at Private Parts Un on Twitter. I am at Courtney Kosak, K-O-C-A-K on both Twitter and Instagram. And make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter. It's just privatepartsunknown.substack.com. But to make it super easy, the link is in the episode description. So just head down there and sign up. Shout out to Amy Rausch for the bomb-ass theme music. For more info about Amy and her music, check out amyrausch.com. That's amy, R-A-A-S-C-H.com. This episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda of Plastic Audio. And after enjoying this content and learning a lot from Dr. Frida, if I could just ask you for a really quick favor. If you could go to ratethispodcast.com slash private, just give us a five-star rating and review. I know it seems little, but it helps other people find the show. So again, that's ratethispodcast.com slash private. Or if you're listening on Spotify, it's super easy. You can just go to the upper right-hand corner of our page. So the Private Parts Unknown page. Go to the upper left-hand corner, click the star button, and then you just click all five stars. See, wasn't that easy? (laughs) Thank you so much. And until next time, I am wishing you lots of horniness and happiness and non-toxic relationships.